30 years ago, in what can be argued as the greatest upset in sports history, Buster Douglas, a 42-1 to underdog, knocked out the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, Iron Mike Tyson. While you may know a few things about that historic night in Tokyo, there's more. And it's time to hear the rest of the story. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians. Are you staying safe? Are we getting overconfident about beating this pandemic? We don't want to put the subs in the game too soon. We need this victory, and let's do it together. Welcome to Audio Video Podcast 30 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. My guest today, Hall of Fame ring announcer Jimmy Lennon Jr., he was in the center of the ring for that historic fight in Tokyo, and he has stories to tell about that one and more. First, let me introduce the producer of today's show, the director of the FBL 5 slate of shows, the all-time women's volleyball assist leader at New Mexico State, my quarantine partner for life, my wife, Christine Jinbo. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm here to remind you of those three things again, three things. You remember them, and you can get to us anywhere. That is sportsstoriespodcast.com. That is number one. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. That's Denny like the restaurant, Lennon like the Beatle. And Sports Stories DL to get to Denny on Twitter and Sports Stories on Twitter. And remember to like, subscribe, and do all those things that help us move further. You bet. And you know we're going five days a week with our programming. I'd really like to uh, step up my game on Twitter. I have a couple ideas that can be fun. So please do follow me at Sports Stories DL. You know, great sport upsets are nothing new to our family. In 2006, Christine and I once coached a St. Mark Elementary School boys volleyball team to a big comeback upset win over Our Lady of Miraculous Medal in the semifinals of the L.A. Catholic Youth Organization playoffs. That's right. And there was a different Jimmy on that team, Jimmy Tatro. Yep, the actor-comedian that's blowing up. He was hitting outside for us, if I'm not mistaken. No joke. You should look that up. In part three of four with Jimmy Lennon Jr., we learn about Don King, what it's like to announce in front of 135,000 people, calling the Tyson fight and then getting caught up in the aftermath the night Tupac was shot, and the parade of greats coming to the house when Jimmy Lennon Sr. was in his last days. And now, it's showtime! To our Sports Stories fans around the world, please welcome round three. From the 7428 studio in Westchester, California, here's the 30-year veteran ring announcer with over a thousand title fights on a spotless record, the International Hall of Famer, Jimmy Lennon Jr. Please note, this interview was recorded on January 28, 2020. Um, the showtime phrase, it's showtime. Yes. Um, that was there a pressure because did, did Michael Buffer precede having the let's get ready to rumble and there was pressure put on you to get a catchphrase 
or did that just kind of come up because somebody wanted to yeah, show I could, off Showtime I could, pay-per-view? No, yeah, I can tell you how it came up. Uh, there wasn't pressure. Um, you know, I don't know if it's always really necessary, mm-hmm. but uh, it there was a, a fight, Julio Cesar Chavez versus Marty Jakubowski mm. at the Mirage in Las Vegas. And one of the Mirage executives got together with the the um, executive producer of Showtime Boxing, myself, and, said, and, and he said, you know what, how about if it's Showtime, they do something like that. And so we kind of worked on it together, and that was the first time I did it. And then I kind of developed it more and more, kind of a more shtick, and, you know, now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, in attendance, Boom. Boxing Vendor, live from, and then they moved to, to putting the lights on there, so it kind of uh, evolved. Good. It's cool. Um, there wasn't really a pressure. To okay. do it. That's good. But it was, um, it, it kind of evolved into something that I felt comfortable about, and Showtime loved it too, and, you know, it's, it's been pretty good. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because when I'll say, oh, yeah, my, and my cousin is Jimmy Lennon Jr., I see people go, and if I follow up with, he's the one who says it's Showtime, they go, I know who that is. Oh, uh, okay. And I've noticed that just, you know, I think a lot of, it's not inside fans, it's more... Peripheral, yeah. They yeah. go, oh. Yeah, that guy. And the lights yeah. go out, and then they come back up. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, did did anybody say was that concurrent? Wouldn't have been with the Showtime Lakers. No, they would have been done by then. Probably by the yes, time. Yes, they would have been done by then. Yeah, so I was wondering if somebody else starts launching a quick yeah. lawsuit. Like, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> I didn't see magic in the ring with you. Um, I've heard you talk about people had asked you questions, and they said. You know, it's a bigger the crowd, make you nervous, the bigger the pay-per-view, anything along these lines that ramp you up. And you, and you talked about how you just, you lock in, you, you just get more focused. Yeah. It was, was kind of cool. And I'm kind of, I, I feel fortunate with that. Um, in some ways, the larger the crowd, the more enthusiasm and the more it feels like, yeah, this is good. I'm, you know, this is working and everything. So they kind of make it easier than an empty crowd or an unenthusiastic mm-hmm. crowd. And then, yeah, the bigger the event, when it's on me, I, I, I just, I have, you know, I, I tend to focus more. And I'll tell you, you know, I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. I try not to. I haven't seen one yet. Yeah. And it's something might even just be with me that I, that I didn't do it right. And I kind of, I get angry and I, do my best to follow up to do even better so i won't think about that mistake or you know have there been um your fault or not any you know mistakes like that where you either were given wrong instruction on who fighters were or a go time too early or anything along these lines where you had to like backpedal sure and you know sometimes it's the microphone is not working mm. and and i just you know it's not going to. Sometimes it won't be going to the house, or sometimes it won't be going to TV. So I have to make a decision to just continue, because TV will pick it up, mm. or do I start over? So yeah, those things. There are so many technical things that could go wrong. Uh, being queued too early or too I heard, late. I heard uh, there's an incident in '99 and at the Pechanga, Pechanga Resort. I'll yeah. never forget that. It was <laughs> one of the yeah. most difficult times. I know. Uh, that, that, well, luckily, I was able to pick that guy up and give him a career. That guy Jake Downey. I brought him back. I brought him back, so it's okay. It's really well deserved because it was it was a tough situation that night with blood yeah. all over his shirt, and it was uh, you know he deserves some latitude. Did I um, read it right? A thousand title fights about? Oh yeah, I think it's about right. Wow. I, you know, I can't really count that. Thirty um, years been going. Yeah, yeah, more than thirty years because oh, it was in the early eighties wow, that I started. A thousand and, title fights. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, 
and I really lost count, so I'm just going to guess that. In terms of total fights, you know, maybe 15,000 total fights because wow. my first years I would do so many fights, like I had mentioned about, mm -hmm. you know, 25 amateur fights, you know, 50 in a weekend. and but uh, Wow, that's something else. Yeah. How about the um, work in, you worked the MMA? Yeah. As that, as that came, and, and you're still involved with MMA or well not that? not so much not not as often I'm a little busy with boxing mm. but but uh, you know I enjoy the sport and and um, periodically I'll be able to announce some Don King yeah how did that um, how, how did that come to be how did you get it was that through the his promotion agency was with HBO or how did, how did you come to work for him sure well one of my early times is uh, at the Olympic Auditorium. He would bring mm -hmm. in a great fighter, and um, and he would fight one of our local guys, and so I'd end up being hired for that. So there I was see. a connection with that. And then I started to do more Showtime fights. Um, I think one of the early big ones was Tyson versus Razor Reddick, mm. and Don King was involved, and I, I just kept thinking, how can I get more involved in these and so it just it gradually happened a lot of young announcers ask me you know what's the secret how do you do it and just being in the game and just being there yeah, and so that's what it was with don king i just had that connection and repeat connections and it got bigger and, and then he wanted me to do all of his fights and i was so lucky because showtime wanted me to do all of their fights at the same time so if don king didn't hire me showtime said yeah we'll you know we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you and so it just develop like that traveling with uh don king there's got to be some crazy stories out there sort Call of yeah. the character is For understatement sure. yeah there, there's no question um but my strategy with Don King was to work for him and not pal around with he mm. or the entourage that was. Because fight nights on big fights, you know, he'd be working by himself or a few people around him. Then fight nights, there were all sorts of hanger-oners that were hanging on and getting in the dressing rooms and the production room and front row seats. And it just became a dinner with him. It just became a circus. I think I had dinner with him in all those years twice. And that was it. Wow. You know, that's... Yeah. I was in uh, Fort Lauderdale. I was announcing Women's Pro Beach. Somebody came up and said, Don King is in that restaurant down there. It's it's early morning. It's 8.30, something in the morning. And we're going to be on like either ABC or CBS, something, I think CBS. And it was a big deal for us because mm. we were always just on Prime Network or something. So it was a big deal. And I just go, and I just went for it. I went down there. I walked up. I go, Mr. King. He goes, yeah. I go, my uncle is Jimmy Lennon. And he goes, that must make... Uh, Jimmy Jr., your cousin. I said, it does. He goes, did you have breakfast yet? And I had just eaten. And I said, nope. <laughs> of course. So I sat and I had breakfast with kidding? him. It was awesome. Like, it was just such a random thing. He goes, well, sit down. He goes, and he tell me about your family. So I talked for a little bit, and he said, so is that why you came down here? And I said, I have this crazy idea of you doing the open for us, and you're going to say only in America could a woman in a bathing suit make $12,000 if they win in the same, like this. And he, and he goes, you are Lennon or something. And then he goes, uh, I'll tell you why I can't do that. I work for, a it's something about he had a contract with ABC and he couldn't do CBS or something like that. But he was so nice. Like, I mean, my background on him was, you know, Thriller Manila, Rumble in the Jungle, Cleveland, Cleveland beforehand happened there. Yeah, well, and we know it did happen. So <laughs> I yeah, guess we do. I guess the court will tell you what happened. So, but he was so, yeah, very nice. Um, and 
Uh, I would say the same thing. I owe a lot to him for, for sticking with me and insisting that I do the, the fights. There were times when it was on HBO, and HBO didn't want to have me because I was mm. too associated with Showtime. And I've had a, a, an executive from HBO approach me and say, you know, Don King is very loyal to you. And he would not have any other announcer wow, than you. So cool. And he stood his ground on that. That is and so that was, cool. Yeah. So he, he was he was and is in many ways a, a real good guy. He's also a very tough guy, too. And mm. brilliant, too. Brilliant, man. One things I also read, thirty um, at least 35 countries you've done fights in? Yeah, like I think that. that's something. What kind of travel trips, would, uh, travel tips you got? Any any anything unique you do to travel like that, or you just yeah? Well, well. Do you know how to shut it down, or you sleep? How do you? Well, wow, it's a lot. It depends on where I'm going. If I'm going to Europe, what I do is I will take a late night flight from L.A. and I'll sleep on the plane. Mm. I'll get there and I'll stay on L.A. time. Mm. So it makes it quite a dull and boring trip, but it the jet lag is minimized. So I'll mm. go to sleep in London or Germany. You know, six in the morning, wake up two or three in the afternoon, put on my tuxedo do the fights, stay up all night, take the first flight in the morning back, okay. sleep on the plane. So I, I try to do that. In Asia, I have to adjust a bit. Okay. Uh, I always go travel on, I mean, carry on. You never check my bags. Really? No Even what. No, no, I don't trust it. Don't trust it? No, 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 you, no. You don't wear the tux on the plane? I don't wear the tux, but I do wear <laughs> a sports coat on the plane that I might do the, the weigh-in in. The weigh-in. So okay. I can, it'll, it'll hang that up for me, and so I can, st so I, yeah, I minimize yeah. all my packing. Okay. And yeah. All right. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a commercial from our sponsor, Casablanca. Casablanca Restaurant in Venice, California. Proud sponsor of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Also sponsoring the Facebook Live at Five Friday show. Margaritas. That's right. Carlos is kind enough at Casablanca to uh, package up like a to-go, what they're selling, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to-go. What, uh, what is in it? It's like that taco it's a bar. daily deal. He does basically a taco bar with two different meats, beans, rice, uh, tortillas. It's fantastic. Brilliant. And then you throw in the margaritas with that. And if you watch our uh, Friday show, you'll see that we cheers one another. He sends one over to uh, Venice where Marley and the Rices are hosting part of the show over here to the 7428 studio. And where any we do local it. guests. And any local guests. Doug O'Neill. as well. Doug O'Neill, the uh, Triple Crown winner, horse trainer, is a new big fan. So, you know, thank you, Carlos. You can call Carlos. At 310-505-5091. Again, 310-505-5091. Call Carlos. Ask him for the Sports Stories with Denny Lennon special. He's going to throw in margaritas or a big percentage off. Vámonos a Casablanca. Vámonos a Casablanca. Vámonos a Casablanca. La comida para la familia. Vámonos a Casablanca. Vámonos a Casablanca. And now back to our interview with Jimmy Lennon Jr. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you about a couple of other big fights. Mm. 1990, Tyson Douglas, mm. Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I have a distinct memory that we're, we've been talking about my dad is I remember going to the front door and say, he opened the door and he was not feeling well, kind of in pajamas and, you know, during his illness era. And I told him, I said, I'm doing Tyson Douglas. 
and he really had tears in his eyes. Oh. He was so happy. That was my biggest. What a, what a great memory. Yeah, my biggest mega fight. My first mega fight, I should say. What a great memory. So yeah, I went there. It was a tremendous trip. And, and, was, and for those that don't know, like it was, there's a good documentary, forty-two to one. That mm -hmm. that was where the odds on this that, yes. that were set. So. Considered the biggest upset, possibly in sports, in sports history, history, not just in boxing. And so, so Mike Tyson is there, and I had um, uh, known him. I did the TV show Webster, and he was on that too. <laughs> was that the 80s or 90s? I am so <laughs> impressed by your outreach into that. <laughs> and so um, uh, I, I got to know him there. Okay. He was just brand new champion. and He's uh, a real student of the sport, so oh, he probably knew who yes. your dad was, right? Oh, no question. I, I can tell you another great story about Please. that. Uh, um, but in any case, for this particular fight, um, so I went there. It was a big deal. I've never, you know, it was an eye-opener for me going to Japan with so many journalists and media and, and mm. the money that was spent and everything. And um, I remember not seeing Mike very often. And he was in his room. He didn't come out much. I remember at the way at the uh, press conference, he came out in tons of photos. And sitting next to me was Buster Douglas, who had well, not yet come up, and okay. no one was paying any attention to him really? at all. And and you well, know, Iron Mike was such a huge thing. Oh. but so nobody's even paying attention to Buster. Nah, huh? because it was he was not ex he's expected to be another loss. But H hadn't uh, his mom just died or something like Buster that? Buster Douglas's mom had just died, oh, and so wow. he had some extra motivation. And Mike w was in his room most of the time, and clearly not mentally or physically prepared for this fight as well. Training, training yeah. wise. Yeah. yeah, is that right? Yeah, just you know, it wasn't right. And you noticed that, but yeah, I did notice that. But did it make you think that the fight no. would have any different outcome? No. I remember the press talking, many of the, the boxing press there in, in the shuttles going to the arena and so forth, like, you know, why did I come and should I have come? I, maybe I should have passed on this and this is going to be a terrible, they're real downer. Boxing press is typically kind of downers anyway. They're yeah. kind of negatives. But they were really down on this fight and just couldn't believe what happened. And, you know, when Mike knocked uh, Buster down in the beginning like, of the fight, you thought, we thought, okay, you know, finally it's here, and then Buster got up. There was a long count issue, and yeah, you know what? So, so there may be forty, forty-five thousand people in in the the baseball arena, and so quiet. The Japanese fans are so quiet, mm. and but you you could hear so clearly Don King's, and you sit next to Donald Trump, because <laughs> the next fight was going to be against Holyfield. And that would be in Donald Trump's property, and so oh. they were made. So Donald Trump, Don in, King, the in New Jersey property, yeah, in Atlantic the, City, the, um, yeah, lot, uh, whatever that. Yeah, I'm not sure the big casino he had. Okay. Yeah, and wow. so here they are talking, you know, and you could hear Don's voice over everyone complaining about the the long count, and you know, and then the the end came, the big surprise, couldn't believe it, bedlam, and then. We go back to the hotel, then suddenly there's news, like there's a press conference, there's a press conference. because of the long count. And Octavio Meran, who was the referee, you know, is admitting that he ruined it and so forth. Well, you know, what a shame. What? He got so did, much did, pressure. Would Don have pressured There was pressure from the say. WBC, from Don King, from anyone. Did you perceive a long count? Sure. It was long, but... Um, you got to go by what the referee says. Mm -hmm. It ended up being, what, 13 seconds instead of 10 or 9. But, you know, you always go with what the, the referees count. That's what the fighter is looking at. And Did you have to, to announce anything uh, on that night in the ring? like After the decision, th that there's no. there's a protest or anything? No. 
No, I went to the took the shuttle back to the arena. Went to the to the press conference where I was looking, and it was it was an odd atmosphere. There was definitely a lot of pressure, a lot of closed doors, you know, discussions wow. and rumors, and it was did, did, wild. Could, could you perceive that you were part of this unbelievable upset in sports, or were you just kind of in the moment? In and, the moment, in the moment, and you know, in the end. You know, there was a good chance of the decision could have been overturned, mm. but public opinion and the press and everything would not allow that, which is good. It's a where were you when kind of for yeah. sports fans because yeah. I, I remember distinctly where I was at my friend Mike Asher's apartment, and mm. and it was watching Tyson grovel on the ground for his mouthpiece. His mouthpiece yeah, that just is burned into my mind. It was yeah. like, whoa, the king is dead. Yeah, yeah, amazing. That was something else. Yeah, it was it was a big big and event. and then and then on the post side, it started to sink in. Like, right. wait a second, I was there for this. Yeah, yeah, ended up being big. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> okay, the other one is um, Julio Cesar Chavez, Greg Hagen. Yeah, is it Hagen? Hagen. Hagen. Um, Mexico City. Mexico City, hundred thirty-five thousand people in attendance. Okay, that's just nuts. <laughs> it's crazy. So I've been to a Kentucky Derby, and I think there's hundred and fifty thousand people there. Ooh. And I was on down in the infield, Ooh. and you just look around and, and everything, and it and it's intimidating. It's yeah. like wow, it's a sea of 135, people. Hundred thirty-five thousand. It was amazing. The ring. It was amazing. So Estadio Azteca, a very large uh, soccer stadium, mm-hmm. and uh, in order to get in. Um, there was a there's a moat around between the stands and the field. There's a okay. a moat, and in the moat there are guards with guns oh and German shepherds. Jesus. So no, you know, because to have whatever hundred thousand people storm the, the ring on. or so forth, they, they couldn't that wasn't going to happen. Have that. No, no, no. I know we did a rehearsal with Showtime. They had me in the ring announcing the fighters at the rehearsal, and there were like fifteen, twenty thousand people at the rehearsal at twelve thirty in the afternoon because it was like a festival for everyone to show up. And uh, yeah, it was just amazing, a wonderful, great night. Um, you know, I, I tell the story that before the main event. I mean, the ring with Don King, and they had a laser show and a music show, you know, for the mm-hmm. moment. Everything. It was really well done. It was kind of moving. It was, you mm. know, high quality. And you look around, and they're like fires way up there where people were cooking their food. You, oh. you just would see all this. And we're waiting in this Woodstock. music. And Don King, honestly, you know, man who's seen everything, kind of got misty-eyed and kind of crying. And I always tell the story that, Later, I realized he was counting the proceeds with the number He's of counting people the <laughs> counting the gate. But it was really a great, oh, great event. Oh man, yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, did you, did I, did I either hear hear you say or some um, Julio Cesar Chavez's nickname? You just came up with and didn't even run up by him, and you no. just called him El Grand Champion, El, El Gran Campeón Mexicano. Yes, and you didn't want to run that by him first, or no. you you made a purposeful plan yes. to just call him that. Yeah, really? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I'm going to give credit to my father who, I, you know, I honestly don't remember it. I, th- I think it was his idea. Mm. I would give, I would happily give credit to him because at the early stage of us uh, announcing together and Chavez working, my dad yeah. did some of his fights and I did some. I see. Yeah. If, I think it's hard um, for just American boxing fans to understand just how important Julio Cesar Chavez was as a citizen oh, of yeah. Mexico. I mean, massive. Oh. His fame was... Uh, we talked about the the big fight in Mexico City, and I had heard before I was there that he had a public workout someplace, and 
there were 10,000 people who showed up for that in some public arena, and he had to have a helicopter to take him away, you know, because he's such a hero, such an idol, and such a great fighter, and, you know, over 100 victories in his career, uh, and for so yeah. long he was undefeated, and great, great fighter, and today, he's doing great. He's doing great the today. The first uh, Tyson one was 90, then that was like 93, so 96, Tyson is been convicted mm. and is now out mm -hmm. uh did that give you any concern at the weigh-in that he had changed a person that he wasn't going to be like respectful of the sport and, and that he was a little bit of a loose cannon no okay. no I, okay. I i i really <clears throat> didn't because when he was in prison there were a number of interviews and he mm -hmm. seemed he, he seemed quite focused quite settled quite centered and um you know i had a chance to exchange greetings a little bit with mm. him um, and, you know, his opponent, McNeely, was not a uh, well-respected, you know, he mm -hmm. didn't possess a big threat. Mm. So didn't feel, didn't have any sense of that at all. Felt like it might be another easy fight. Did you, as a student of boxing, kind of compare him and Sonny Liston in that, both in prison and then they came out? Because I know the media tried to play off of that, but I didn't see it either. I saw Tyson as, he wasn't the same fighter, but he didn't seem... No, he w no, and here's something I want to tell you. When, before that, he went to prison. Mm -hmm. He fought a second fight with Razor Ruddock, mm. and it was in the summertime. I think it was June 26th or so. The next day on Sunday, he visits my dad, comes to what? our house. I'm, I'm living in the back house, and I get a call. There's a white limo outside, and it's Mike Tyson and Tommy Hearns. And oh, so I run up, I see him in here, he knocks on the door, and there's Tommy Hearns and Mike Tyson, and they come in, my dad's in his robe, you know, ill, not, not doing well, and he sits in his chair, and <sighs> here, the two of them, and Mike Tyson sitting in a small stool, looking up to my dad, calling him Mr. Lennon, yes sir, no sir, <laughs> wanted to talk about wrestling wow. and the history of boxing, and just wanted to make him feel good, and... um so there's a sweet side of Mike Tyson, which is, you know, the kindest man you can imagine. And so I, I didn't have any personal fear of that mm -hmm. or so, you know, because I, I saw that side of him mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and I don't know if I would relate him to Sonny Liston personally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know. I, I just kind of remember reading that and that was when I started to dig in a little and I thought, hmm. hmm. Okay, it's I didn't see it. I didn't because, you, you know, you had firsthand knowledge like Sonny Liston was kind of a surly dude. Yeah. For yeah. his own reasons. But it seemed like Tyson was almost more mellow. Yeah. You know. Off and on. Two sides. Yeah. Hmm. Two sides. Um, the one I want to ask you about was 96, Tyson and Bruce Seldon, Las Vegas, MGM mm. Grand. Um, and that of that is like Tyson wins in a minute 50 or something. Um, but that was two boxer coors at, at the fight, right? And then he gets into that altercation that fight in the casino and then later on that night he gets shot and killed did you first of all know who he was and that he was in in and around like was he one of the celebrities you might have introduced or anything that night honestly i don't remember mm. if it if it was in those days i would announce 25 celebrities mm. i'd kind of i'd have two minutes to do it and i'd have to get through it real quickly before they came back and mm. and so i honestly don't remember uh, at this point if he was one that i introduced um my memory of that night is, a, is you know, so far removed from all of that, mm -hmm. but the altercations that occurred in the casino spread a lot. And, and my recollection is after the fight, 
walking through the MGM Grand and suddenly you would hear people screaming and running you know in in the the large you know aisle hallway and just scatter just scattering and going into the shops to mm. get out of the center and I would too what the heck's going on and you know that happened a couple times it just seemed tense and dangerous I went to dinner I went to a steakhouse that night and I'm in the steakhouse and suddenly they're screaming and everyone in the steakhouse goes under the tables. What? And so I'm under the table. I happen to be with Ferdy Pacheco at the time. And then down, we're under the table and there's another man. Ferdy introduces me. It's the former governor of Kentucky. Oh, hi, hi. How you doing? Under the and table? Under the table. <laughs> under the table in this steakhouse. You literally with the governor hi, of Kentucky nice to meet under you. the table. <laughs> and oh, then wow. it, it passes. We go. And, you know. I just leave. I'm not, you know, something. And, and there are rumors, oh, uh, a security stand fell, and that's what the bang. Oh, it was a champagne pop. Uh, you know, you would hear different things that would, why people were running and so forth. Well, later, of course, you heard that the, there's so many more serious things wow. that occurred. Yeah, I ended up just going to the elevator up to my room just to get away from, from all of that. But wow. uh, So that's the closest I came to any of that. But it was a very tense, dangerous feeling night after the fight. Now it's time for an installment of As Time Goes By, where we get to know Carlos Haro Jr. of Casablanca Restaurant in Venice, one minute at a time. Now, let's play it again with Carlos Jr. Casablanca movie uh, trivia with Carlos, the family restaurant. This should be easy, right? Uh, what war did the movie Casablanca take part in? What a word? What war? Uh, well, Second World War. Good. Uh, where's Casablanca? In Morocco. Very good. Who played the role of Rick Blaine? Rick Blaine was by Humphrey Borger. Who was the, what was the name of his nightclub? Uh, I think his nightclub was Rick's, Rick's Cafe. Rick's Cafe. Who played the role of Issa Lund? That was Ingrid Berman. And who was she married to in the movie? Uh, it, she was married to uh, Lasso. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Victor Laszlo. Victor Laszlo. Okay, you're, okay. you're killing Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is supported by the AAU. Find a local event and join at aausports.org. And remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at ballertv.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces. Visit heroesmovementusa.org for more information. Sports Stories, along with thousands of people across the country, also supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation, a nonprofit that provides traumatized children with new belongings and new hope. Learn more at mystuffbags.org. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc., and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Christine Jimbo and Marley Rice. Sports Stories is edited by Bob McCall. Additional staff include Ray Castro, Teresa Dolan, Jake Downey, Carlos Haro, and Buck Magic Lennon.
what a night. You know I didn't even know her name, but I was never gonna be the same. What a lady, what a night. Oh, what a night. Why'd it take so long to see the light? It seems so wrong, but Mike thinks it's right. Sweet surrender, oh, Mike. Oh, I had a funny feeling when she walked in the room. Oh, Mike, I recalled it ended much too soon. Oh, what a night. Check it out, book.